people. Bless the Lord one more time. Yes, it's good to bless the Lord. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is a man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. That's why it's good to bless the Lord. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we shall trust in the name of the Lord our God. Not saying that we don't um, need riches, want riches, uh, riches can be good, but we don't trust in riches. We trust in the name of our Lord God because we know in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, things in life can change, baby. Uh, that's right. You could be on top today and on the bottom tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Rich today and broke tomorrow. Have a whole lot of friends today and nobody knows what your name is tomorrow because that's how life is. Uh, that's the things that we find ourselves going through. It's called life, baby. But one thing is for certain, when you got Jesus Christ on your side, you're not worried about what life throws at you. That's, for instance, there was a man in the Bible called a, by the name of Job, who was the richest man in his in his region, and he had lost all his money, and lost all his cattle, lost all his homes and, and children, different things. He had lost it all. And this man said, "Well, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." Listen to that response of a man who who has made the Lord Jesus his strength. And at the end of his days, at the end of um, him going through whatever it is he had to go through, at the end of his days, God gave him double for his trouble. Yes, he did. God is going to give you double for your trouble. You've been going through a lot for, for him, through, for the word, for the ministry, and different things you have been doing. And God is getting ready to give you double for your trouble. Don't you give up yet. <laughs> Don't you throw in the towel. No, you're much closer to your blessing now. Than when you first believe, God bless you. Listen, I was talk, speaking earlier. Uh, if you've been with me sometimes, I was speaking earlier about different entanglements that we um, find ourselves getting ourselves in as men and women of God. We find ourselves in entanglements and in, in complicated situations, complicated relationships. We may find ourselves getting ourselves involved in, and uh, we can, if we can avoid those things, and we can avoid a lot of hurt, a lot of confusion. We can avoid a lot of pain. Yes, we can. But if we find ourselves um, to where we just can't resist, <laughs> and we just got to just go in and make it happen, amen, then we'll find ourselves in the midst of some things in a world of hurt that we can really avoid. No, I ain't doing. We hurt ourselves oftentimes with our entanglements and situations. So we um, hurt other people. Yes, you may end up say you're in a tangle with somebody else's wife. You're hurting her. Uh, she's hurting she, you. hurting that woman's husband. You might be hurting um, uh, somebody else's wife. You might have hurt your mother, your daddy. Yeah, I'm really getting into it now. Your sister, your best friend. And, and even though you uh, think you got it going on because you got some a secret, trust me, everything that's in secret shall be revealed openly. A man... Don't be not deceived. God is not mocked. What's for a man sow if that's what he also reap? So we have to be careful um, of what we're doing out here because if we don't have self-control, then it don't matter how talented we are. It don't matter how gifted we are. It don't matter how anointed we are. If we don't have that self-control, 
we can find ourselves um, really in some bad spots and really uh, messing up a lot of blessings that we should have. That's right. There's a lot of blessings we should have. There's a lot of um, glory to God. Uh, we, we could we could be much farther along in our lives now than what we are if we would just have some self-control. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to get there to the point in the places that God wants to be. Yes, but if we don't have self-control, we'll find ourselves getting there arriving much later <laughs> that's right much later in life than we expected we'll, we'll find ourselves we should at least be a rebel shaka father along in our faith father along in our jobs father along in our prayer life we should be much farther along in different things in different ministries but because we found ourselves distracted by situationships and complicated relationships then we become stuck in a pattern of trying to get into this and then trying to get out of it. Trying to get into it with this woman, trying to get out of it now. Trying to get involved with this man, trying to get to leave him alone now. And we find ourselves in a constant cycle in your 20s doing it. Now you're in your 30s doing the same thing. Lo and behold, here come your 40s and guess where you're at now? Back in the same type situation. So if we don't get self-control, we'll find ourselves um, um, going through a lot of hurt that should have been avoided. Glory to God. And we'll find ourselves not living up to our best potential of our ministry. And nobody, we don't want that. (laughs) Yeah, I know you don't want that. No, you don't. Trust me, there's nothing in this world that you can do. There's nobody in this world that you can have sexual relations with. That's worth your destiny, your calling, and the things that God has prepared for you and to them that love him. Listen, go with me real quick to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11. As you remember, um, if he was with me in the last podcast, I talked about Samuel and, and how his birth came forth and how his mother Hannah um, struggling in a situation of her own. And lo and behold, uh, from that uh, situation, uh, Samuel was born. And um, I told you how Samuel was the, the last judge, a priest, and a prophet. Hallelujah. So, and I want to talk about a man in 2 Samuel, book of 2 Samuel chapter 11. I want to talk about a young man that Samuel himself anointed to be king of all Israel. And I want you to understand something about the anointing. The anointing... Um, comes with, with, with passion. It comes with with power. It comes with persuasiveness. It comes but also it comes with people attracted to that anointing that you got over your life. David was a man I'm, I'm getting ready to talk about who had it all. Yes he did. He had passion. He had power. Amen. He had a praise. He had prayer. David loved the Lord so much. And, and he was a man after God's own heart. And he had been anointed to be king as a young man. Even at 17 years old, he was anointed to be king of all Israel. Can you imagine a young man like that anointed to be king already? He was 17. You got other, other, he has older brothers right now, older than him, other warriors in the family. But they anointed him. God decided, I'm going to anoint him, the youngest one, to be king 
over all Israel. Listen, if you're asking to be anointed, then watch out. Watch out for that person who wants to be the leader, who wants to be the pastor. Watch out for that person. But if you catch a person who don't want to be the leader, who didn't ask for this thing, that's the one you want to be abundant. Because <laughs> that's the one who God has chosen. There's a lot of people right now who are pastoring churches that God didn't call them to do it. They're doing it anyway. There's a lot of people that are doing different things and seeing as God is really them. And, it's, and because they got a crowd together, you think, okay, this man must be of God. But I found out that anybody can get a crowd together. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anybody can get a crowd together. You ain't got to be a man of God to get a crowd together. Get some folk on your team. Hallelujah. David was a man who, um, he had great prayer. He had great, great power. He had great influence. He was a great king. But also, he was a man that struggled with great temptation. He just had a little lust bar. <laughs> you ever met anybody like that, that the CEO, great, great CEO, great leader of the company, um, bringing a lot of business? He just got a little lust problem. He'll be all right. You ever had a man that a great supervisor, great boss, great husband, great wife, they just got a little lust problem. They'll be all right. They was a man, he... He could defeat Goliath. He he was defeating giants. Uh, he was on the run from Saul, but yet he still found a way to keep his integrity, keep his praise together. He wrote some psalms. Um, glory to God. He did a whole lot of great things for Israel. Hallelujah. David is some, one of the most talked about men in the Bible. No doubt. But he just had a little lust problem. He just had a little entanglement. He just had a little situation that it popped up in his life. Glory to God. Look, go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Let's look at see exactly what David did um, in the night in question. And remember, all things were together for the good of them that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. The purpose of this simple is that, is that when I minister to people, I minister to people who are hurting. I minister to people who think they're, on, they're outsiders, who feel like they're outsiders. You may be in a church, feel like you're an outsider. You may be... Um, out of the church, feel like you're an outsider. Um, you feel like you're an outcast. You feel like you're downtrodden. You feel like you're abused. You feel like you're, you're, people don't like you. And all kind of stuff going on in your life. And you just, you, you have a lust problem yourself. You may be the pastor, listen to this podcast with a lust problem. You may be the uh, pastor's wife with a lust problem. You may be the choir director, the, the, the deacon, um, the usher, the bus driver, whoever you, um, the, the one who just cleaned up the church, or one who just entrusted to lock the church up at night. Lust problem. I just want to minister to you and let you know that your life is not over. We can get this thing under some control. Let's let's let us um look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. Look what it says. And now it says, Now it came to pass in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon, the siege rabbi. But David remained at Jerusalem. But there's a problem already in the scripture. This is 2 Samuel chapter 11, round verse 1. The first problem I see is this. The Bible says is, is this is a time when kings go forth to battle. But David didn't go to the battle. David sat still at Jerusalem. Hmm. Whenever you in a place where you're not supposed to be, 
and you're not at the appointed place at the appointed time, then you will find yourself getting yourself involved in something that should not be. You're asking for temptation to hit your life. Whenever Bible study is going on and you're still at home, whenever church is taking place and you're still at the crib, then that's when you're asking for trouble. Well, you're not in the appointed place at the appointed time. Okay, yeah, so cool. He sat still at Jerusalem. Watch what happened. And then it happened on the evening that David rose from his bed and walked out on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Now, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hold on. David rose off his bed, walked on top of his balcony. And lo and behold, he looks out on his balcony. And there's a woman naked, bathing herself. And the Bible is very descriptive about this woman. She said she was very beautiful to look upon. She had it going on. She was fine. She, she was a fox. <laughs> she had it going on, player. He arose. But this is the king, though. He should be all right, right? Because he's the king, right? He's anointed. <laughs> he's a praiser. We know that. He's a killer of giants. We know that. He's a warrior. He's a mighty man of God. He's a man after God's own heart. But the problem with all that I just said, he's still at the end of the day, a man. <laughs> and as a man, you got to watch what you're looking at. Because when you start looking at something you're not supposed to. It can lead to you doing things you're not supposed to. <laughs> Sleeping with people you're not supposed to sleep with. Mm -hmm. Going on dates. Texting. Calling. People that you're not supposed to be calling or texting and going out with. This one was very beautiful going, but, but David supposed to have been at the battle, but he wasn't at the battle. He was at home. And something caught his eye while he was at home. And a woman that caught his eye was very beautiful to look upon. But why is this an entanglement? Because, you no, know, David, even though, now David is married. He's got women of his own. But it's something about a man that's, the flesh is never satisfied. No, it's not. The flesh of a man is never satisfied. Interestingly enough, that's why you got to have self-control. Interesting enough, I love how I hear people talk these days. Thinking that they can satisfy somebody. <laughs> Is the thing so, huh? A man stays faithful because he wants to. A man has to stay faithful because he wants to. But there's no magic potion you can give him to make him do that. A man has to have self-control. And when a man has self-control, he'll only have eyes for you. But if that man doesn't have self-control, I don't care how many times you drop it down to the floor and flip it and skip it and turk it out. The flesh of a man, the flesh of a woman is never satisfied. How do you call that about her? Oh, this is just, this, this, oh, this is just, this is just awesome right here. Let's keep going. Too bad. Let's keep going. So David sent and inquired about the woman 
David's like, man, who is this woman, man? Who, who, who is this? I'm seeing this woman out on the balcony. She's naked. I mean, I mean, I'm, she's bathing. So she's, she's, she's fine. She's sexy. She, she got to go. Who is this woman? He inquired about it. Watch this. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David, she's married. As soon as David heard that she was married, that's the thing that should have stopped him right there. Yeah, she's fine, but she's married. She got it going on, but she's married. Hey, she may even be interested in me, but yet she's married. Yet, David. <laughs> Let's see what he does here. <laughs> because now he knows who this woman is. He knows her name, man. He knows, he knows she's married. But would that be enough to stop him from pursuing what his eyes have already seen? Because he's already in the bad spot. What's the bad spot? He's at home when he should be at the battle. Some of us at home, we're doing a lot of things when we should be in prayer. David sent messengers and took her. That didn't stop him, I guess. David found out she was married, but that didn't stop him that night. My God. There's a lot of things we have done, a lot of entanglements we've gotten ourselves into with somebody else's wife that uh, nobody knows about. Yet. <laughs> then David sent messages and took her and she came to him and lay with her. When you see an Old Testament, lay with him, lay with her, knew her, knew him. When you see an Old Testament, that means they had sex. So David took this man's wife into his own bed and had sex with her. For she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. And so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Whoa, whoa, I am with child. Wait a minute, that wasn't part of the deal, I don't think. Here is David, don't slept with this married woman. And not only did he do that, he don't got this woman pregnant. Now, it's the one thing to have a one-night stand. But it's another thing to have a lifetime stand. Have you, ever, have you ever thought you was going to have a one-night stand with somebody? And lo and behold, you're pregnant? <laughs> you ever thought you was going to just be in and out with somebody? Well, I'm just going to sleep with her one time. And next thing you know, it's five years later, and y'all still kicking it. Have you ever just thought that this is going to be just a one-time thing? But whatever it is, your flesh liked it, and here you are, still there. This was only supposed to have been a one-night stand for how it was going down. David sent her back to her house, back to her husband. But the woman conceived, embarrassed, and he said, hey, wait a minute, David, I'm pregnant. Talk about an entanglement. Talk about a, a one-night stand going wrong. I don't think that's how it really a one night stand was supposed to go. Look at verse six. But verse six says this. Then David sent to Joab, saying, "Send me Uriah the Hittite." And Joab sent Uriah to David. Now Uriah is Bathsheba's husband. So David said, well, "I want to talk to her husband. What do, you, what do you want to talk to her about? Talk to him about?" 
<laughs> That's what happened. Uriah had came, came to him, and David asked how Joab was doing, and how the people were doing, and how the war was prospered. Watch, David is asking Uriah about the war. The same war that David himself was supposed to be in, in the battle, but he didn't go. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house, wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house, which all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. You see what David is trying to do. <laughs> David calls Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, to his palace. Ask him about the war, ask him how things were going. And then he told him, don't you go down to your house and wash yourself up and refresh yourself. Because what David wanted to happen was he wanted him to go down to his house and sleep with his wife. So when the pregnancy would start showing himself was coming, that David can be like, well, that's your baby instead of mine. Ooh, it sounds scandalous, don't it? Now, this is the man of God. David is the man of God. The king of Israel out of the tribe of Judah. From David shall be birth forth in that genealogical line of Christ. But even though David is a man of valor, mighty man of valor, mighty man of praise, mighty man of prayer, at the end of the day, he's still a man. <laughs> and when a man doesn't have self-control, these are the kind of things that can happen. When men have lust problems, these are the type of things that can happen. That's why we as men got to get started. Instead of, we're going to speak in tongues. We're going to pray. We're going to run the aisles. We're going to preach. We're going to do all these things. But until we get self-control, we can only go so far. We got to gain some self-control. Or we'll find ourselves trying to get someone else's husband to go sleep with their wife so they can think that baby is theirs instead of ours. You may know somebody like this. You may know somebody in your family like this. You may know somebody in your family that's in the David spot. You may know somebody in your uh, world that's in Uriah's spot. You may know somebody in your world that's in the Bathsheba situation. You may know somebody right now that's pregnant with a, with a, pregnant with a baby. That you know that baby and her husband's. Or boyfriends. Because of situationships and relationships. Complicated things that go on. But Uriah didn't go down to his house, though. That's going to be a problem for David. Uriah slept at the, the, the gate of the house of the king. Now, that's verse 10. So when they told David, saying Uriah did not go down to his house, David said, Uriah, did you not come down from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? That's what Uriah said. And Uriah said to David, The ark of the Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. My lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go down to my house and eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live, as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. This man is, at this point, is being more honorable than the king of Israel. <laughs> I dispute a lot of times with pastors and colleagues of mine in the ministry 
especially those who think they're just above everybody. I just, I like to look at them and laugh from time to time, but, and this, I say this oftentimes to them and they, they get upset and people get upset and people say, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's cool. But when I read the Bible, I find this out. God doesn't always anoint and pick the men with the best character. I know we're saying he does. That ain't true. <laughs> That's not true at all. Look at Samson for a minute. You know anything about Samson? You think Samson had the best moral character? Look at Judah. Look at this man David we're talking about. Look at Moses. Killing folk in the field. Hitting rocks. Look at Abraham. Look at Jacob. Look at all these men of God. It's not about who has the best character, who God's going to anoint. God anoints who he will. Because, when see, when God anoints men like David, David knows that it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. David is going to know that, listen, the only reason that we're coming out of this thing is because God is so good and so merciful. He ain't because of me. But men who think that they are morally superior than everybody else, they're usually not the ones that get anointed. <laughs> David has been anointed to be king in this 20 years, king. But because of his lack of self-control with his sexual appetite, he's found himself in a situation where he's gotten another woman, another man's wife, pregnant. And now he's trying to trick her husband into sleeping with his own wife so he can think that he got his own wife pregnant. <laughs> Sound like somebody like Jerry Springer, though. Or a reality show. Maybe a Dr. Phil moment. <laughs> but this is no, this is neither. This is the word of God. This was in the word of God. God is going to show you. Now, through all this, that's why, here's what God is showing you. And here's why God is, is, is telling you this story. Because there's a lot of people out there who think they don't belong in church and they don't belong around the people of God. Yeah, you do. Those people that you think you don't belong with, they're no better than you are. They got issues and things going on in life just like you did. <laughs> the only difference between you and them is they, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. You believe him too. You're in the family too. They're not morally better than you. You're not, they're not more holy than you are. Abu Shariaka. Can we go deep? Here's what happened. As we bring the story to close, and this, this latest entanglement that we're talking about. Uriah said to David, the, um, the, the ark of Israel and Judah dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open field. Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and lie with my wife as you live, as your soul lives? I will not do this thing. And then David said, Uriah, wait here today also, and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. David got to think about what he's going to do now, because, you know, Uriah said he ain't going home. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. 
David don't got the man drunk. <laughs> and at the evening, he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his lords, but he did not go down to his house. David figured, well, if, when the man eat and drink, he'll go down. Surely he'll go down to his house now and sleep with his wife. Now, I got him now. But the man, he didn't do it. So, that, that, when, when I seen that, that kind of stopped a lot of stuff that I be hearing of today. People say, well, I was drunk, so I did this. I was drunk, so I did that. But here's a man, he was drunk too. But yet he still kept his character together as far as his moral character, as far as his, his uh, integrity, as far as he wanted, what he wanted to do with himself. He said he's not going home. So it doesn't matter how drunk he got, I'm still not going down to my house. <laughs> watch this now. When David called him, watch this now, watch this, verse 14. And then in the morning, it was so that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. Wow. David kept trying to get Uriah, Bathsheba's wife, the, 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 the Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. He kept trying to get them together where they can have sex, where he can say the baby's not his but theirs. And when Uriah wouldn't do it, he decided, well, plan B. I'm going to have this man killed. What have we gotten ourselves into to where we want to cover up what we've done so bad that we will have another man killed? Do you see how dangerous, complicated entanglements, situationships are when you're scared you're going to get caught? You see how dangerous it is to mess with another man's wife or another woman's husband. You see how dangerous it is to mess with somebody who's been committed to this other person. And here you come. We get ourselves involved in those things all the time. Because we don't have any self-control. But once we get that self-control... The enemy can't stop us no more. <laughs> David has got himself involved in an entanglement situation. He's injected himself into this marriage. And this is the end result. He's going to have this man killed. So it happened while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah, the place where he knew there was a valiant man. And then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab and some of the people of the servants of David fell and Uriah the Hittite died also did you see that and then Joab sent and told David all things concerning the war this is verse 18 now verse 19 says this and Charles the messenger saying when you have finished telling the manners of the war to the king if it happens that the king's wrath arises he says to you what do you approach to the near to the city when you fought did you not know that they would shoot from the wall who struck Abimelech the son of Jacobusha was not a woman who cast a piece of the millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Trebas. Why did you go near to the wall? And you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and told David all the Joab had sent by him. And the messenger said to David, surely the men prevailed against us. He came out to us in the field and we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall 
at your servants. Some of the king's servants are dead. And your servant, Uriah the Hittite, is dead also. Not only did Uriah die, other men died with him also, all to cover up that situation shift and thing that David had got himself involved in. And David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joel, Do not let this thing displease you. For the sword devours one as well as the other. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. So encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. She loved her husband. She mourned for him. Cried. Hmm. Watch what happened. And when the, her mourning was over, David sent and brought her into his house. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David done displeased the Lord. So when he couldn't get Uriah to sleep with his wife. When he couldn't pretend that the baby wasn't his. Someone else's. So he decided to have the husband killed. And once the husband was killed. Then he took the man's wife into his own house. And she became his wife. And she bore him a son. If you keep reading the word of God, you find out that the son that David was getting ready to have with Bathsheba ultimately died. And you'll find out that the thing that David had done had displeased the Lord. But also, if you keep reading, you'll find out that God was angry with David because of what he's done. He was going to be punished for what he's done. But he also was going to be forgiven for what he's done. There's some things that you have done in your life. You haven't done anything close to what David just did. You didn't, you didn't have somebody killed. No, you didn't. Some you never had. Set up with somebody else's wife or husband. Had a baby by somebody else's wife. You never done anything like that. David did. And yet David was forgiven. It's, it's interesting enough to me that you've been hanging around some places, right? That folks will tell you because of your entanglement or because of the sins that you've done that you can't be forgiveness, forgiven. And they always have you looking, feeling and looking like an outcast because of all the stuff that you've been through. <laughs> and they act like you can never get forgiveness. But the devil is a lie. Even after David had done this, him and Bathsheba, they lost that, that first baby that they had together. The baby died. But they had another baby. And the name of that baby was named Solomon. And Solomon became the king over all Israel. Because hmm. like I keep telling you, God is able to turn things around that the devil meant for evil. God can turn around for good. Kabul shake God bless you and keep you. Watch your entanglements. Get yourself some self-control. God's got a plan for your life. And remember, if it's a word, then I must have did it. And if it's not, then I wasn't with it. Stay committed.